thank you, Franz, for the introduction. And um, um, yeah, sorry for changing the program, and but it was a good chance since uh, the German uh, Science Foundation they sponsored also the trip of my assistant, Dr. Linner. So I thought, why not? He can also uh, give some talks to you because he's now uh, leading, managing, coordinating the biggest project we have. Uh, uh, for the European Commission. It's actually a very difficult uh, project, 17 partners, uh, six countries, uh, 6 million euro, and it was a very tough competition. There were 176 uh, competing consortia, and when I heard there are more than 50 uh, applying, I, I, I told everybody, forget it, <laughs> we have no chance, and then we even got it, and only two got the, the, the funding, and we are one of them. And why we got it, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, why we got it, maybe I can explain in this talk, because we have some different approach uh, to this kind of uh, uh, aging society problem. So <clears throat> I, I choose the title because I'm also escaping into space, uh, not just this space here, but the real outer space. And uh, the, the reason was I, I actually wanted to be an astronaut uh, when I was young. I have seen all the rockets flying up to the moon, the Saturn rockets. So I decided I want to be an astronaut. And I wrote an application to NASA, but they never answered me. So um, I decided anyhow to go to Houston. And I, I could find a job for some professor who worked for NASA. It was Professor Larry Bell. He was uh, heading the Environmental Center in the University of Houston. And he worked for NASA, and he actually co-designed the NASA Tech House, which was the predecessor of the Biosphere 2. So indirectly had something to do with, with, with NASA, and uh, I learned all the stuff about uh, how to have a sustainable environment. The NASA Tech House was the first house in the world that could generate its own energy. So, um, and there I learned about life support systems for astronauts in space stations. So I thought, okay, later when I got uh, to Japan um, and I had a project for the Japan Science Society, I thought, okay, we also need life support, but this time for elderly. So let me just explain you my thoughts and then how it happened in life sometime. I, uh, while I did uh, my doctorate studies in the University of Tokyo, uh, I also had a side job uh, in... Uh, Shimizu Construction and the Research Institute. And this company also developed, had some space uh, division. So I also could gather some experience there and bring my input from, from the previous Houston experience. And they designed, for example, as a construction company, they already designed a space hotel, which is kind of interesting. Very advanced those days. Uh, Professor Matsunura knows Mr. Matsumoto and uh, Tetsuji Yoshida who later headed the space division of Shimizu Construction. Uh, and why this uh, space technology is interesting? Because it's a confined space, uh, and sometimes uh, elderly are confined to wheelchairs. They cannot move much. So I thought, OK, uh, we can learn a lot from space technology, not just the life support, but also the compactness of the space. And typical service robots or robots for elderly, uh, most, most professors or institutes, they develop this kind of robot running around, talking to you. And if there's no stairs, they can handle it. And if there are not too many obstacles, they can handle it too. But as soon as the environment changes, which happens a lot in, in where people live, they got a problem. Uh, but this is a very good example here. This is from the Fraunhofer uh, Association in Stuttgart. 
from Dr. Graf. I know her. She works on it since a long time. We don't have this approach because uh, already people are doing it and they can do much better than we can do. Here are some Japanese examples. From up, up there in the middle is Professor Sugano from Waseda University. He is, uh, for, uh, was assistant in the 80s when I was in University of Tokyo. He was assistant of, of uh, Professor Ichiro Kato, famous professor, who developed the first walking robots, humanoid robots, even the piano-playing robots for the Tsukuba World Exposition and so on. And now he's heading this institute. And also we don't do this approach because uh, Professor Sukano, he can do much better this kind of robotics. And I got some inspirations also while I was here from Karakuri. Uh, I was fascinated because um, also before I uh, spent some time in an in office in Paris uh, with uh, Jean Prouvé, and then I, I analyzed French technologies, and I found out Jean Prouvé had some relation with Citroën, so he produced uh, his buildings like Citroën produced cars. And I found out uh, in the Musée Ari Métier that uh, uh, French automata, a kind of French uh, karakuri, they are totally different from the Japanese karakuri. They move regularly, and the Japanese karakuri move irregularly. And they even have some inbuilt uh, default, which the French uh, automata don't have. And also they were built for the, for the Versailles, for the, for the aristocrats, but these karakuri mostly for entertainment of common people. And then I found the the watch uh, built by the Manentoke, built by Hisashige Tanaka. And this watch had something interesting, not just like the common Western watches had, but it had also an irregular tooth wheel. And this didn't exist in Europe. Um, so he could adjust summer, winter time. So you see from the right to the left, um, the, the hours are longer in, in the in night, in, in, uh, in uh, winter time and shorter in summer time. And here adjust this mechanism because of the irregular tooth wheel. And this kind of invention Europeans did not know. So he could already adjust mechanically the difference uh, winter, summer time. And then I was fascinated also by uh, this kind of theater technology. Uh, those days at the Institute of, uh, of University of Tokyo, there was one person also specializing in theater, Mr. Professor Shimizu. And he told me a lot, and I, I learned a lot, and I thought, wow, if, if Kabuki Theater already had this, and for example, the Mavadi Butai uh, came from Japan to Germany, or to Europe first time, and was uh, first time applied in the residence theater in Munich, before the Europeans did not know Mavadi Butai. So, um, and uh, here was much more, even the, the walls could flip over, so some actor could disappear, so I thought, okay, this technology is interesting, also to use for elderly, so you can, the whole space, <laughs> yeah, well, not in this sense that you might get rid of the elderly, which would be maybe good for our insurance system, uh, but uh, um, to help them, uh, getting up, i show you later. I'm not so brut brutal yet, not yet. Uh, anyhow, and then I also was inspired by these toys. I, I love this toy store, uh, South Ginza towards Shimbashi, there's a nice toy store of life, five stores, only full of toys, and I like this Katai in Gundam. And I built many of those, and I thought, okay, it would be interesting if the building could also change its shape, or the, the furniture, or the walls, or whatever, to, to help support the elderly to become a real life support system. 
And this is one of the most complex uh, gatai uh, I made. Uh, you see so how many things, uh, 15 different things can change into 15. It's really interesting. <coughs> this kind of toys didn't exist in, in Germany or United States. Uh, so um, anyhow, but we don't want to have the same buildings all the time. Uh, uh, this is a, uh, the problem. I also studied about the Toyota production system because Toyota has also... Uh, a housing company, uh, which is kind of interesting, and uh, and I found this out by the way in Chicago while I um, was on a Fulbright scholarship, and I, I went to Detroit, and they only talk about Toyota uh, Motors because they produced the cars in half of the time. It was in 1981. And I went back to Chicago. I, I talked to a Japanese professor those days, Mr. Takayama. Ask him what's uh, what you know about it, and he told me, "Yeah, there's even more companies in Japan, uh, industrialized housing." And he introduced me later to Professor Uchida in University of Tokyo. So I study about all this prefabrication, Sekisui Heim House, and so on. And I thought we have to combine it because we have to use this industrialized production technology, uh, Toyota Seisan system, for also for. Um, all the equipment so it's affordable for the elderly, otherwise they cannot afford it. And then other, this was my topic actually, University of Tokyo, uh, on-site installation, on-site construction is, is, is crucial and most things go bad on-site. I mean, you can control the factory, the environment, everything is perfect, but once you get on-site, problems start to appear, delays happen, cost overrun, time overrun, and so on. And uh, just by, uh, since uh, we are here at the German Institute uh, for Japan Studies, uh, just imagine in Berlin Airport, uh, Elbphilharmonie uh, is only two out of 70 construction sites that go pretty bad in Germany. So um, I thought, wow, it would be great if we could have uh, robotics on site so we can close the loop and we can ensure the quality. And this was the first sketches. <coughs> so. I couldn't those days still speak the language properly, so I made in the commission, I made some sketches, and then I analyzed about 50, of the first 50 robots actually that had been built in Japan and maybe probably worldwide, and I had them in my PhD, and uh, out of this analysis I came up with some own uh, theory. So, um, and then the, I also contributed to this first prototype of the automated construction, this was in 1988, and then in 1992-93, the first construction site, autom automated construction site, was running in Nagoya for Chudoku Ginko. So wh what's the problem now? We have now uh, this kind of uh, demographic challenge. So uh, there was Kontradev, this interesting researcher uh, in Russia, but unfortunately Stalin killed him, but still the people follow uh, his research theory. And he found out whenever there was some 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 civil war or some 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 real hot war or something went bad, uh, unemployment went up. Uh, this had some reason because of some technological change, and uh, somehow society couldn't respond properly. So he predicted this um, this uh, next change of of the of the society, uh, maybe into a quality of life or social social technol social technical systems in order to avoid an, another conflict. Uh, but uh, it seems that we are heading towards another major problem worldwide. The tensions are increasing, so we don't know yet the reason behind it. But anyhow, this is a kind of way. And then also I had some uh, uh, 
project for uh, Nihon Kakaku Kyokai, and uh, uh, actually it w I was introduced uh, through a professor from Sofia University, since we are here nearby, and um, he, Professor Shinoda introduced me to this Nihon Kakaku Kyokai. So I did some research already those days in 90, between 1985 and 88. Uh, people knew here in Tokyo we will have a problem in the aging society. So some of the sketches for this report. And then I set up in Munich uh, my own uh, research lab, uh, which is actually a little bit inspired by what I just showed you, a little bit uh, from, from the space station, a little bit from the theater technology and the Gatai and everything combined. So everything can change. For example, the, the apartment up there is a test apartment. It can change in three dimensions. Everything is modularized. Here's a workstation, and then we have conventional robotics and for the construction robotics research. And basically what we are doing is very simple. We have, you see here this building, we have columns, we have the, the, the ceiling, we have the floor, we have the walls, uh, but this is all stupid material. It's just passive material. It doesn't perform anything. It, it just keeps out maybe the noise or the, or the wind uh, or the water or whatever. Uh, but if you check your cell phone or your drive is your car, you have all the drive assist systems already. You have radar that keeps the distance to the other car and warns you if you fall asleep and you might get off the track. And even your cell phone has quite much technology. So I thought we need this kind of um, embedding, uh, the, the kind of electronics, microelectronics, microsystems, which are active systems into the the passive uh, construction system. It's, not, it's more than just concrete or brick or wood. So it should become a highly uh, computerized, uh, uh, performative uh, system. And uh, so what we do is actually we, we build our own prototypes, we embed electronics, a microsystem, and so on. And we do it in the, in the furniture. For example, here, this was a project uh, a German national-funded uh, project by the science ministry, and uh, we can get all the data of health while you're sitting in your chair and watching TV, and it can also transform into an exercise machine down there on the right side, so you don't become too lazy. And you can do some video games uh, and so on. Um, and then also we try to get the fatigue, or in the future we try to catch the depression, the emotions, contactless, because sometimes uh, people don't like to wear wearables to, to like Fitbit. Old people forget it to wear uh, wearables. Of course, we use it too, but if you forget it, it's not a problem. We can catch the, the health data also by other means, by, because we do the contactless sensors. Actually, we develop them ourselves. Uh, but here we work together with Keio University, with Professor Mitsukura. She is a leading researcher in electrical engineering uh, department, and she developed the first contactless emotion detection sensor. Uh, she can detect the, from one or two centimeter difference, and she wants to go up to 20, 30 centimeter. So uh, because it's important, old people live by themselves. Uh, I just heard from uh, um, Franz Waldenberger that 8 million buildings are empty, and people live by themselves. In the village, it's even worse. So, um, so to avoid they become more depressed, uh, we can detect it initially and then do something preventive. 
And here's the setup of our research station, first for the fatigue detection, also with a Keo University student, and later we will introduce it to the emotion detection. But then we think about the whole system, uh, the whole apartment, and, and uh, I found out that uh, the micromobility is actually very important. Everybody talks about autonomous cars, but this is not a big deal in my opinion because we already have autopilots and airplanes since uh, when I was getting my pilot license in Dallas already I could program the autopilot so uh, but I, I, I knew from a Canadian researcher that even during icy conditions in Canada 70% of falls happen around or in the apartments even so there are slippery roads in Canada 70% of falls happen there so I thought we have to focus on this um, getting out from the car onto the sidewalk with your shopping bag umbrella uh, up to your apartment where many falls happen so we built this setup in our research lab and uh, we tried to get the whole mobility link uh, together you know everything is including companies we always do projects with companies and here, for example, we developed this device. It can bring you your, your walk assist or your shopping bag so um, you can safely walk upstairs. And in order not that you don't fall, because a brain researcher told me that it's better that old people walk and move, so they still have to walk. But in case they would fall, this here will, will keep them from falling. So... For the brain, it's good that they move, and in case they stumble and fall, we can catch them. Ah, yeah, and this was my American pilot license in 79, which inspired me because of the cockpits. Airplane cockpits, uh, the pilot can control the aircraft, which cost, which cost 80 million to 200 million, depending on the size. I thought, wow, that's interesting, just like the space station. Also, for elderly, if they're confined to a wheelchair, so we designed a workstation for elderly, which looks like an co airplane cockpit. Even if you're confined to a wheelchair, you can do something. And I think it's also important for elderly to contribute to the society and do something. And also, they have huge experience, so it would be a waste not to um, uh, <coughs> use this experience. They can teach and coach younger people they can hear, for example, here the robot would deliver some parts and then they can scan something, then they can cooperate with the robot. We de developed some gesture control system so it's easy to, to program, teach the robot without um, they need to use the keyboard. And then on the right side, the yellow part, uh, they can 3D print something. So they can do, or this could be a different configuration, everything is modular. So they could even coach other people. They could do something uh, at home, work at home, and still feel needed by the society. So it raises their their uh, uh, self-consciousness. And here this man is now teaching the robot by gestures. And even if he has some tremor problem, we, we got some software. My assistant developed this uh, to, to filter out the tremor. So the robot only copies the right motion, not a, not a shivering motion. And, um, and here, all the tests, uh, how they can cooperatively work. It's, it's a robot normally used by surgeons. Uh, it's, it's a Canadian development, and so even if it hits you, it doesn't injure you. It's a, it's a robot that can also work in, in the intervention room. So anyhow, we have this whole modular approach and um, everything can be placed into existing apartment because old people don't want to move to the care home. 
So they want to stay wherever they are because they're used to it. You say you can't transplant an old tree before it dies. So, um, the, and then of course here comes in the experience from Toyota or Sekisui, everything should be prefabricated, modularized, so make it affordable at low cost and you can configure whatever you need, whether you need it in, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, in the entrance, uh, uh, in the living room or in the bedroom. Uh, or some kind of work terminal, or and you might just lease it. You know, when you need it, you you pay by like you pay your cell phone. And then we developed also a low-cost fall detection system, uh, just from the laser pointer. Uh, we found this is very cheap inside the laser, and uh, we developed a low-cost uh, version uh, out from this <laughs> laser pointer lasers, and uh, it only costs about two to three hundred euro. And it works even in, in in the bathroom, in the kitchen, where conventional fall detection systems like sensor floor mats don't work, and they're even more expensive. And they only cover this part where you have it. And if you want to f furnish the whole apartment, you might pay twenty, thirty thousand euro. And it doesn't even work in the bathroom then, so it's not good. So our system works everywhere, and now we develop even a, more, a better system, low-cost system, based on um, infrared. But we are still don't control it perfectly. Yeah, I hope it works now. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So my assistants fall down, and then the robot checks it. Okay, nothing happened, and he can... Uh, and go away, but actually we don't need the robot. It's just here to, to show some motion. And um, the robot is sometimes difficult because once they have some obstacles, they cannot navigate anymore. Anyhow, here we embed the sensors in this uh, chair, armrest, and uh, on the right lower part we also developed, this is our own development also to put on your coat because older people have the problem to move the arms backward. So, um, yes, let's see whether this moves. Now it works, perfect. Now Mr. Gütler, um, he's checking uh, the sensor in the armrest, and uh, we can use all these. Uh, later the sensor will, of course, this will not be in the, in the real one. Um, it, will, it will collect it, and then we also think about installing everything quickly. So this I learned from, from Mia Dijkson and Normal Dijkson, uh, the joining system, which is crucial. And we embedded the services, the pipes, uh, the power lines, the communication lines. So once you connect to two uh, walls, for example, or you connect our furniture, you already connect uh, all the electronics and the communication. So it's a plug and play system, actually. So um, here you see it. We disassembled the prototype, which we tested in our uh, laboratory. We bring it to Italy and install it, and it was done in a day. And this is the final one uh, installed last year in Italy. It was even twice on Italian TV. It made a kind of big splash there. And uh, this is the wardrobe unit. And again, the sensor in the armrest. And the bed uh, unit, this bridge moves back and forward, this flips up, so we don't need this ugly crane, you know, where they lift out the people from the bed. People don't like it to see it. So we work together with an industrial designer, Mr. Ter Sariol. He is quite famous. He actually comes a lot to Japan. He's representing Italian design in Japan. He was in Kanazawa before, he just told me in December. 
And uh, he got the Compasso d'Oro, which is a, an award difficult to win in Italy. You can imagine they have many designers there, and you only get it every two or three years. So he designed all this stuff. So this flips out, and this can be pulled out, and this bridge moves uh, uh, powered by electrical motors back and forth. And this moves up back there, so it lifts you up, so you don't need this ugly crane to lift the people out from the bed. And, uh, and then this uh, dressing. This is actually the, how you call it, I don't know the English word, Haupt, Hauptmann, they say it in, in Austria or in, uh, uh, in northern Italy. And this moves forward, um, backward. This puts, helps you putting on your shoes, taking off your shoes, because this is also difficult for elderly to bend down. And then um, and here you hold yourself, and it brings you up. You can put your laptop, you can read some book here, you can play with your cell phone, and so on. And uh, yeah, this we already seen it. And this is the device putting on the code. This we developed ourselves, actually. And um, OK, that's it. And uh, yeah, this we already have seen it. Good, this is another example. So um, yes, and that's the final version. Here we tested actually with, with people. First, we tested in Munich, of course. Nearby Technical University, we have a care home, 600 beds, and they are always eager to come over because they want to get out from the care home. And they always ask, when can we visit you again and try out something? So we learn a lot from them, and this is now the, the real uh, test, lo uh, longer test in Italy, in the care home. It will be also installed in another one end of uh, April, beginning of May, again in near Bolzano in Italy. So um, yes, and here's in the bed. They actually enjoy it. So uh, yeah, this is the whole setting, which is now in, in one of the care homes, and there will be another care home uh, equipped with it. Actually, the Italians are thinking about in, uh, e equipping even hotel rooms. They want to attract uh, uh, retired German rich pensioners to do vacation there, and they don't need to worry about their health because they always uh, check their health. And so this is the. Uh, uh, and now I hand over to uh, Dr. Lenner, and he will uh, explain you our huge project uh, I just mentioned. Thank you. Good. Hello, everybody. Maybe um, Press Brock asked me that I should take over this part. Uh, maybe I briefly introduce myself since I'm, I was not in the program. Um, so I'm closely related um, to Japan since around 2006, 2007. Um, I did my last year of my studies in architectural engineering in Japan since um, my focus always or my interest always was in the use of technology and product development approaches in the construction industry. And at that time, um, I studied in an, on the Japanese side in a network maintained by Professor Matsumura, Professor Kikuchi at the um, Kyudai, and also Professor Deguchi, now Professor also at the um, Todai University. Um, and in that network, I could study with companies like Sekisui Haim, Toyota, Home, um, also the companies that Professor Bock mentioned. Um, so after that, I also started my research career at the, um, at the Institute of Professor um, Bock in uh, Munich. And um, 
So uh, I have to say, I have at the moment, um, I'm working in, 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 in different fields. One of the fields is still I'm, um, I'm um, involved in some projects where we work on construction robots and construction automation. And then about 10 years ago, we also started this field that Professor Bock now introduced. Um, at that time, that was at, at our chair, a very small group of around um, two, three people rather in the architecture and civil engineering field that were working on that. And um, we have now a team of around 15 full-time people, plus, of course, some assistants. And um, we are now a team from medical engineers. We have some mechatronics engineers. We recently employed um, Ms. Pepper. She is a rehabilitation um, science uh, background. Um, so we really broadened up the area and um, the competencies. And that's why we could do the projects or what, um, um, and um, um, the research that Professor Bock introduced. Um, my interest in, in um, when moving with these approaches that uh, Professor Bock mentioned, moving, um, moving that approaches forward, um, was always to go the step um, from this research also towards industry and towards market application. Yeah? Um, so in that context, um, we brought that approaches in a couple of um, research projects <laughs> together with industry. And um, this project, which you see here, is um, what Professor Bock introduced, is so far um, one of our largest projects. It started um, two years ago. We have now around half time of the, of the project. Um, as you see, we have um, in this project, um, we have um, um, 17 uh, partners. Um, the project is focusing on developing um, sensor environments for hospitals and care homes. Yeah? And the sensor environments um, create patterns um, of activities, of health states, um, of the patients, of the inhabitants, and try to predict, so to say, situations or health states in the future so that interventions can actually happen, um, so to say, before an incident or before a problem comes up. Um, so in this project, um, we have uh, a couple of um, research partners. I think some of them are well known, the Fraunhofer Institute, um, and then um, some of the leading universities um, in Europe. Um, so we are the coordinating entity. Professor Bock is the principal investigator. I'm the scientific director and the project manager of the, um, of the whole consortium. Yeah? And then we have, of course, also a, um, a series of industry partners, um, like Archer Huntley is one of... Uh, world's biggest uh, manufacturers of care furniture yeah, for hospitals, for care homes. Um, we have also Philips, um, one of the major partners, since they are also in healthcare and very interested in healthcare data platforms and, and the use of machine learning um, 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 to exploit uh, the data gathered. Um, and then we have four use cases um, in which the, the um, approaches developed in the project um, are tested um, and we gather some um, first medical evidence about the impact of the systems. Um, I briefly show, um, explain the concept. The concept is that we exploit, try to exploit in this project the combination of variable sensors, yeah, which have in some situations, as Professor Bock mentioned, they have an advantage um, because they are directly on the body. They can very accurately sense things like the heart rate, the blood pressure in a continuous manner. Yeah? But we combined it um, with information that we gather in the environment through ambient sensors. 
Yeah, ambient sensors have the advantage that they are better to say something about the context in which you interact in a room. Yeah? For example, you are sitting on the chair, you are working on a certain thing on a table. Yeah? This you can say um, with the ambient sensors very precise. Yeah? And in the combination of this information, um, we get, so to say, an annotation or um, say we provide the context. For example, when you have um, a high blood pressure or a certain heart rate pattern and we know what exactly you did at that moment, we can perform machine learning on that. Yeah? And from this multi-sensor reading, so to say, um, we then um, move with machine learning um, towards the prediction or the prediction of likelihoods of certain activities or incidents that might happen in that environment. A simple example is, for example, in the clinics when we can predict that you will wake up or somebody elderly person will wake up in the next five or ten minutes. Yeah, this can then, and we know also this person has a risk of falls. Yeah, we can then, of course, intervene either with technology or with the care personnel to reduce the risk of falls in that context. Yeah? We have also to say one of the big, um, yeah, big um, not problems, but challenges in the project is, of course, um, the data platform approach. Yeah? We all know the recent examples from Cambridge Analytica and so on. Um, that's a very critical area. So one of the um, major aspects um, of the project is indeed um, the privacy and the data security. And the project changed a lot from the beginning from a very romantic idea of the consortium to make one very big platform where all the data integrated, which from a machine learning point of view you want to have. The more patterns you have, the more you cross-integrate them, the better you can predict. Yeah? But the project changed over time to a very fine-grained approach where you actually classify the data into different security levels. Yeah? And you don't cross-integrate um, everything. This is not, um, not the way forward and um, absolutely not accepted. There are also, we are doing in this project also ethnographic studies that, so to say, try to answer the question under what conditions do elderly people actually accept that their data are gathered and used and what legally has to be what steps legally have to be performed that the data can be used and reused over time. <coughs> Good. Um, yes, then just a brief outlook. Um, we are um, um, now in the, after the, um, um, in, at the moment um, we have finalized the concepts. We are starting um, now with prototyping at the different university locations um, the first um, environments, see if they are technically working, if the sensor readings come in, if the uh, machine learning approaches are working. This will be done in the 2018 completed and in, then in 2019 we are moving on um, with um, the, uh, the tests into the real world environments um, of the partner um, clinics and um, care homes. So to say um, to make first 
yeah, not um, um, you call it. We, we want to gather medical evidence. Yeah, in this field, if you wanna, um, so to say, prove really medical outcome, which is a next level. Yeah, um, this would um, maybe take ten years or something. Yeah, that you can really um, say um, your system has um, a medical outcome takes a very long time, and you need a, a very big amount of test persons. That's of course beyond the scope of a four-year EU project. So we are going for medical evidence. This means the first indications that this approach is um, are working and may have a long-term impact on the way um, um, care is structured. Yeah? What we finally, maybe also interesting to mention, what we finally um, have to report um, to the EU or what the EU wants to, to also to prove um, or us to prove with the project is that we can increase the so-called healthy life years. Yeah? Um, so um, um, there is an average of healthy life years. It's different from country to country. Um, and uh, the healthy life years, of course, um, through the healthy life years, we are able also to quantify in a very good way the impact in a monetary sense this has. Yeah? Um, we have to say this assistance technology is, of course, we talk about very expensive technology, yeah? but we, when we can use this technology, actually, that we can prevent the problems to happen, we also can make the business case for them. Yeah? So in that context, we also have to see this project. Good. Yes, um, that's a brief introduction to the project. I'm, I'm very happy to answer further questions um, or um, later on um, give further details on the project, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, um, very uh, impressive. Um, now I uh, give Professor Matsumura the chance to, to add something or uh, say from his perspective how he takes uh, this sees this project and maybe relates it to Japanese initiatives in the field okay. Thank you. good evening everyone I am from the University of Tokyo Department of Architecture School of Engineering and uh, uh, at first it is my great uh, honor and pleasure to be invited here as a, a commentator to this how this uh, this robotic professor <laughs> great world famous uh, professor book and I would like to congratulate of your winner of a very famous award for his uh, every effort to do for our Ex exchange in between Germany and Japan concerning especially the architecture and building and other academic field. Congratulations. And <clears throat> I have about maybe 15, 10 or 15 minutes uh, uh, for the comment. Uh, I will focus on the explanation about uh, uh, the relating the background in Japan the, about his, his story. The one thing is about, uh, how to say, the big change of demographic change, as you know. And uh, in my case, maybe Professor Bok also, he, you are 61 years old, and I'm 60 years old. And 60 years old in Japan means, uh, how to say, one round 
of the uh, how to say that the term one term six years and uh, uh, usually we celebrate you are old enough to be celebrated by everyone in, because you are 60 years old and when I uh, became uh, 60 years old last year I counted the, the number of people over my age in Japan and uh, I found that about uh, 43 million people over me and I'm not in the member of one third oldest society just in the middle still I'm 60 years old but I'm still in the middle of the how to say to support the elderly people <laughs> so I uh, hope the Thomas robotics will work at first in Japan in 10 years or so. And anyway, the one thing is that uh, Thomas Bok came to Japan in 1980s the, when he became much interested in the advanced industrialized building systems in Japan, as he mentioned. But in that time, in 1980s, uh, for example, the core craftsman in the building activity in Japan, maybe also in Germany, that is a carpenter. And the number of carpenters uh, in Japan at that time, in 1980s, about, uh, about 900,000. So almost one million. One million carpenters uh, were there here in Japan. And now, the last year, we have, uh, we have only uh, 350,000 carpenters. So almost one third compared with 1980s. So the, when uh, Professor Bok uh, studied in Japan, the, we saw the beginning of the application of robotics in the construction side, as he mentioned. But at that time, we have enough number of carpenters or some the craftsmen or workers in the construction side. So the, those, uh, how to say, automation project of construction site were just, uh, how to say, PR activity from a big company at that time. No real need. And one day I, how to say, guided European professors, about 20 professors in many countries, to this, such kind of automated construction site in 1990s. And one professor, everyone was uh, surprised that uh, very advanced or something like that. But one professor asked one question to that big general contractor. Why do you doing this, how to say, development? And the person from general contractor couldn't answer to that, uh, how to say, because it was not on the reality or real need, necessity from the market. But now, as I mentioned, the carpenter's number is one-third compared with 1980s, and also the average age of carpenters are uh, about 54 years old. 
And the biggest number in the population of carpenters, the biggest one is in the 60s, and next one, 70s. So very, very old carpenters, they sh should have a support from robotics or some kind of collaboration with such kind of machines. So that, that's a very, very, how to say, serious condition for our building activity in Japan from now on. So now, uh, not all, but uh, many, many uh, building companies or construction companies uh, making emphasis on the application of robotics in the construction site. But usually, the you are very lucky because uh, you have uh, a very, very uh, good story from, the, uh, from Professor Bok because he is very good at how to say integration of all the specialized field or all the results from each field. But usually, the, the how to say, the, in the industry in Japan, uh, we can easily see a kind of big wall again vertical wall in between this field or that field and the typical, uh, how to say, phenomena is uh, in the government. The, how to say, Ministry of Construction, Ministry of Health, and, and so on and so on. It's all, all over the world, so. And, uh, but now we need not only the, how to say, such kind of mechanical or robotics, but also some inclusive social services, not only from the health care, but also from educational or from such kind of the, the to, to, to give the opportunity to, to work or something like that. So now our government or local authorities, uh, uh, how to say, appealing the, the importance of the inclusive approach and they call it uh, regional inclusive care system or something. It, it, it means just a, how to say social uh, integration of social activities or social workers, building sector, or nursing, nursing care, and so on and so on. But at the same time, we, I think uh, we, we, have, we will have to introduce such kind of technologies into that. And uh, at last, I, I will introduce one very typical example uh, of the, the change of the policy concerning uh, housing or for the uh, elderly uh, people in Japan the, by Ministry of Construction nowadays. Is, uh, at first, the change is uh, just the new building to stock management. That's one thing. And uh, maybe someone knows the, the very high bank vacancy rates in Japan, not only in housing, but also in the, in the office buildings and so on and so on. We, we built uh, more than expected. So the, nowadays, uh, about the vacancy rate of existing houses, uh, about a 14 percentage in Japan. And uh, the government uh, changed, gradually changed the policy, uh, emphasis on the new building, to emphasis on the, how to say, it, the utilization of the existing buildings. Uh, 
And now, uh, last year, they uh, uh, started a new policy or, or a new subsidized system uh, for the apart apartment or flat owners in the urban area. If the owner uh, will uh, change the use of apartment or vacant apartment to the how to say, elderly people living or the, the low-income people living, then they will uh, the give the subsidy to the owner to renovate the, such kind of vacant uh, apartment or existing buildings. And maybe the result of his or their research work, that's a kind of infill system, what we call. Infill is uh, except the structure element, then you can find the infill. The very, very, how to say, the similar uh, system in Japan, the traditional Japanese architecture, we, you can easily see the tatami mat or shoji of its paper-finished movable partition wall. You can remove it and bring it to the new house, especially in the uh, Western Japan. Tw 200 years ago or 300 years ago, we had a kind of custom. You, you were, uh, move, when you were moving from here to another apartment, then they bring the, all the tatami mats and wall uh, paper uh, finish, movable partition with them to fix it in the next building. That's the concept of infill. And uh, it is very, very, uh, it will be smooth for Japanese people to uh, welcome such kind of infill uh, concept with uh, the, how to say, advanced technology for the elderly people. So I uh, the expect uh, many from their research work in Europe. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.